the NFL Draft has come and gone. How did Stanford do? How did the Pac-12 do? And oh, by the way, what did we all miss without spring football? All of those answers are straight ahead right here on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, presented by the Believe Podcast Network. Glad you're with us. It is Wednesday, April 29th. 2020. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying self. Hope you're staying uh, healthy. Hope you're staying sane as well. Um, especially if you are cooped up in the house, sheltering in place. And uh, even if that's not the case, hope we can do whatever we can uh, to make your day even better going forward. I'm Troy Clarity. Thank you for being here with us. Special guest for this week's show: the one and only Yogi Roth. I always enjoy talking ball with him. Yogi Roth, of course, Pac-12 Network football analyst, podcaster, you name it, he's done it in the media and an all-around good dude as well. So really looking forward to getting his breakdown on how Stanford and the Pac-12 fared uh, in the NFL draft and uh, also a little bit of a spring wrap, I guess, in a sense. I mean, teams, a few teams did, did get a chance to head out to the field and practice, but not everyone. So what did we miss without spring football? Up and down the Pac-12. No one better to discuss that with than Yogi Roth. Looking forward to uh, starting that chat up here in just a couple minutes or so. A couple of ground rules. First up, I'm Troy Clarity. Hit me up on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. Last name is C-L-A-R-D-Y, at Troy Clarity. I always appreciate uh, the follow. I'm not going to clutter up your, your timeline with a bunch of useless stuff, <laughs> you know, minutia on my day. That's, that's not how I roll. I'm not going to tell you everything that I'm thinking from given moment to moment. That's that's just not how I how I do things. But when I do tweet, uh, I want to give you a little something that that you might want to try to use. So at Troy Clarity is the way to go uh, on Twitter. You want to be interactive with the show? I always welcome that hashtag TreeCast on Twitter. That's the best way to ensure that I see your thoughts on the show, on Stanford athletics, on Stanford football, and anything that's on your mind. Hashtag TreeCast. That by far is the best way to go. The Believe Podcast Network, of course, big time special thanks to them. It's been with them for almost two months now. It's been great. Uh, appreciate uh, their support at BLEAV.com. You want to advertise on the show? Uh, I certainly wouldn't turn that down. Hit the hit up the advertise section on uh, Believe.com. And uh, thank you for being with us, no matter how you're listening to the show. Um, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, iHeart. A couple other things that I'm blanking on right now. Any way you can get your uh, podcast uh, from, uh, chances are pretty good you can get the TreeCast as well. Let's dive into it. Yogi Roth coming up in just a few moments. But up first, three things around Stanford Athletics that you need to know right now. And as always, we begin with number one. And congratulations to Colby Parkinson. Casey Tuhill and Cameron Scarlett for finding homes in the National Football League last week as the draft conducted last Thursday through Saturday. Kobe Parkinson, a fourth-round pick by the Seattle Seahawks, taken 133rd overall. Exactly 100 picks later, Casey Tuhill, Stanford outside linebacker, taken in the seventh round by the Philadelphia Eagles. And Cameron Scarlett, latched on with the Tennessee Titans as an undrafted uh, free agent. So that's pretty cool from that standpoint that Cameron Scarlett goes to the Tennessee Titans because don't forget his brother, Brennan Scarlett, a key member of Stanford's defensive efforts in the Rose Bowl season of 2015, 
Brennan with the Houston Texans. And uh, he was pretty uh, pumped up about uh, that development with Cameron heading up to uh, Tennessee. That, of course, means a sibling rivalry in the AFC South. So congrats to Cam. Casey Tuhill, the latest Eagle with Stanford Connections. Uh, Zach Ertz, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Nate Herbig, uh, all former Cardinal on the Eagle roster. And uh, Cole Parkinson is the, the eighth Stanford tight end drafted over the last 10 years. I forget who I saw this from uh, during the draft. Uh, be, drafting a Stanford tight end is like drafting an Alabama running back. That doesn't seem to be too inaccurate. By the way, Parkinson's also the first Stanford player to be selected by the Seahawks since Richard Sherman nine years ago. Now, we talked with Casey Tuhill and Kobe Parkinson. You want to hear those as well. We talked with both of those young men in previous weeks right here on the TreeCast. Uh, TreeCast. Check out the vault. Hit the vault. I, I highly suggest that you uh, check out the, those chats and uh, get to know those young men a little bit better. But congratulations to Casey, to Colby, and to Cameron Scarlett. By the way, um, Walker Little, uh, Stanford's offensive tackle, who got hurt and lost for the season um, in the opener against Northwestern last year, already projected as a top 10 pick in the 2021 NFL draft. <laughs> uh, draft analysis never sleeps. It never does. It's amazing. I, I, I shouldn't be surprised by it, but I am. Let's get to number two. Well, the reviews are in, and those reviews are confirming what we already knew. Stanford Men's Hoops 2020 recruiting class is really, really good. In fact, 24-7 sports and uh, rivals have it as the best incoming class in the Pac-12 this year. Obviously, no small feat when you've got Arizona, and Oregon, Washington, and UCLA. Uh, and sometimes when they feel like at USC uh, to deal with uh, when recruiting basis around the Pac-12. But uh, kudos to Jared Haas and uh, his staff for being able to pull off uh, those accolades. Of course, Zaire Williams gets top billing. He's the highest-ranked recruit to sign with Stanford uh, since the Lopez twins. Noah Tate from Las Vegas, a four-star shooting guard. Omaha's Max Merle for a four-star power forward. And Brandon Angel from San Diego, a four-star uh, small forward. Now, Jared Haas introduced us to those guys when he joined us on the TreeCast last week. Check out that chat when you head to the vault. If, if you miss the TreeCast, you miss a lot, by the way. I hope that's one of the themes that you're getting from the show here overall in the early going. And oh, by the way, and, and Jared kind of hinted at this when he talked with us last week, the 2021 class already underway. Point guard Issa Silva from Carmichael, California, just outside of uh, Sacramento, he committed to the Cardinal last week. So already uh, things are off and running for the 2021 uh, recruiting class for Stanford Men's Hoops. But 2020, looking good. In fact, depending upon who we talk to, looking like the best in the Pac-12. Let's finish it up with number three. You believe this is David Shaw's 10th year as Stanford's head coach coming up here? Yeah, it's true. Year number 10 for David Shaw uh, coming up whenever Stanford next takes the field. And Stanford football's social media account uh, is celebrating the occasion by making some top 10 lists from the Shaw era. The first one is going to come this Thursday, and that will be David Shaw's top 10 wins. There's plenty to choose from. 86 of them, as a matter of fact, as David Shaw is Stanford's all-time winningest head coach. 
And just for kicks, when I saw this, of course, I had to post my own personal uh, knee-jerk uh, top of, off the top of my head list on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. Uh, and my list looked like this. Uh, the 2016 Rose Bowl against Iowa, obviously. The 2013 Rose Bowl against Wisconsin. Uh, 2012 uh, against Oregon up in Eugene. Uh, the three-overtime marathon at USC in 2011. Uh, the Pac-12 championship at Arizona State in 2013. The 2013 big game, that was when Ty Montgomery just exploded. 2012 against USC, Trojans came into that game ranked number two in the country. They didn't leave that way. 2018 at Oregon, 2017 uh, versus Washington, and 2015 against Notre Dame. Now, your list, and I'm sure Stanford's list, will vary. In fact, uh, someone reminded me of the 2013 game against Oregon, in which Stanford went out to a huge lead, had to hold on for dear life, but that was the game of the week in college football, and, and a big-time win over the Ducks, and quite honestly, yeah, I, I, I'd forgotten about that. So, so there are certainly a bunch of other games that deserve to be in the conversation. Looking forward to seeing what the Stanford football social media account comes up with as far as David Shaw's uh, top 10 wins as a Cardinal head coach and what other top 10 lists pop up throughout the course of the weeks ahead. Above all, though, I can't wait to get back to sports. In due time. In due time. Those are three things. Yogi Roth coming up in just a moment or so, but a brief reminder as we are glad to have betonline.ag on board with us here on the TreeCast. Look, there's no NBA playoffs. There's no Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, Major League Baseball trying to get things back together. We still don't know when that's going to happen. You might think there might be nothing to bet on, but BetOnline still has you covered. Esports, uh, American Idol is still very much a thing, and they have a $750,000 poker series. Still plenty of fun to be had. So go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. It has been entirely too long since we caught up with our special guest on this week's TreeCast. We didn't talk to him uh, last football season. That's on me. So let's right that wrong right now. His multimedia empire includes Pac-12 Network Football Analyst, the Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 Adventure Podcast, also a contributor uh, to the Pac-12 Perspective Podcast as well. Also a filmmaker, too, with uh, Life in a Walk. And one of the good guys in the business as well. Always enjoy talking ball with the one and only Yogi Roth joining us on this week's episode of the TreeCast. Yogi, always appreciate the time, man. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing outstanding, man. And uh, it's awesome to have you along for the ride here with us. Looking forward to doing a deep dive with you here. Uh, let's start here. 32 draftees uh, from the Pac-12 into the NFL. What were your overall takeaways uh, of the NFL draft? from a Pac-12 perspective on things? Well, I thought that the, the players that went this year have as good of a chance of any year that I've been covering, and you know, I've been in this conference now 15 years, of, of all making the team. You know, I, I didn't look at any of the draft picks and say, man, I don't know if they're going to make it, right? So obviously the early on, the headliners were great. But then I looked at like Julian Blackman. I was like, man, that team really values his ability Look where Colby Parkinson was taken, you know, even Casey Tuhill, um, Evan Weaver, you know, Benjamin, like the, the style and fits that they landed in, I thought were the best that we've seen 
And I think a lot of it had to do with COVID-19 in terms of teams weren't able to fall in love with guys' personalities. They were only able to fall in love with who they were on tape and if that fit into their scheme. And I think that that's going to really benefit you know, the 32 players they got drafted. Yeah, yeah. Tape doesn't lie. And especially this year in which you don't have pro days for the most part. Not everyone obviously had a chance to go to the combine. Uh, tape is all you have. So uh, that's uh, that's been interesting to watch uh, that part of the process. You mentioned Kobe Parkinson and uh, Casey Tuhill. Uh, Tuhill went in the seventh round to Philadelphia. Parkinson, of course, going in the fourth round to Seattle. What's your initial read on what both of those young men might be able to bring to their respective teams? Oh, man, I'm really excited for Colby. You know, I've known Coach Carroll for a really long time, and I can remember when we were at SC, we had a tight end that was very similar to Colby, but he was playing wide receiver. The H-back position wasn't really a thing yet, at least in our offense, but he loved him. Um, and I look at Colby in, in the same vein. I mean, it's such a matchup nightmare. And, and the tight end that we had, he went, ended up going to the Browns. Jordan uh, Blanket on his last name. His sister played basketball at USC as well. Um, but regardless, uh, Pete, Pete loves that. You know, so somebody in the red zone, they're going to throw it up to. Somebody who can run, you know, as a flex tight end. Someone who's also put their hand on the ground and can develop. And then I look at their run game coordinator, Brennan Carroll, He's a former tight end, and I had a chance to talk to him, and he's so excited to be able to utilize Colby and see what he can do in so many different situations. Because I do think personnel-wise, from a grouping standpoint, it's going to be big, very advantageous for the Seahawks. And you know, think of Russell Wilson. We could see him scrambling, finding his tight end, finding Colby. So I love that. And then on the back end, uh, just just really excited for, for him going to Philly. You know, like I remember spending time with him in media days and – Man, what, what a great young man just to kind of talk to and get to know. And fifth-year senior in Casey Tuhill and the, and the captain that he was. I think, again, another great fit. You know, he's a vet. He's not going to start tomorrow on defense, but I think he'll contribute on every special team and find a way to get one of those last roster spots. Yeah, a lot of uh, quarterback pressures for Tuhill and a lot of uh, red zone uh, targets and catches for Kobe Parkinson. Hopefully that's in the future uh, for both of those young men. Um, let's stay here locally, at least here in the Bay Area anyway. The San Francisco 49ers uh, take an Arizona statewide receiver, Brandon Ayuk. That's the second year in a row uh, that the Sun Devils have had a receiver go very early in the draft. Nikhil Harry, what a beast he was uh, going to New England in last year's draft. What do 49er fans need to know about Brandon Ayuk? He not only can ride, I mean, you saw that at the combine, you see his straight line speed. Everybody has seen the Oregon highlight where he just runs past everybody. But when he runs intermediate routes, when he runs quick game routes, when he's stopping and starting double moves, he's running them all full speed at that same speed. And the way he catches the ball away from his body. And on top of that, he's a fierce competitor. I mean, I, he learned from Nikhil Harry. I watched him when, you know, Nikhil went down with injuries. I called a couple of those games two years ago. This year in training camp, on the way home from Camp Thompson-Zona, I remember calling Mike Yam, and I was just like, dude, he's going to be the guy in this conference. And you can just tell. Like, certain receivers, you can just tell. The way they get on DB's toes, the ways they compete in every drill and practice. And he's so mission-minded, right? It's the JC transfer. You know, he, he wasn't on anybody's draft board three years ago, let alone two years ago. And now to land with the Niners, it's perfect, you know, in terms of how they utilize offensive football. I mean, the, the, how they marry up the run game, pass game can be perfect for him because his speed and his route running ability can put so much pressure 
on safeties, on nickel defenders, because he's going to seem like he's blocking down, and all of a sudden it's a play-action pass that we've seen time again, and he gives them a weapon that they've never had. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk and uh, Debo Samuel on the field at the same time. <laughs> good, good luck uh, trying to put a stop to that. Um, L.A., your neck of the woods. Pac-12 quarterbacks, Pac-12 alums in the spotlight at the quarterback position. Of course, the Rams have Jared Goff, and now the L.A. Chargers have Justin Herbert. We saw a lot of Herbert at Oregon. What do you need to see from Herbert with the Chargers? Well, I'm excited for him. You know, I had a chance to talk to him that night at, right after he was drafted and had him on the Pac-12 Perspective podcast. And I just think that Justin came back for his senior year to develop the traits that are necessary to lead an NFL franchise, right? Like he had the tools to play, right? Just like Jacob Eason has the tools, but he went back to work on the maturity, interpersonal communication, how to manage a huddle, understand defenses better obviously nuanced his own game but to me it was all the external things that he worked on to prepare himself for this so now he's not walking in scared and trying to figure it out everybody's going to walk in trying to figure it out because it's new but I don't think he's going to be like I don't know if these guys are going to respect me I don't know if they're going to if I can handle this he's not there so I'm really excited for him in terms of his development and the type of young man that he is and then as a player, he's going to be great. And then you look at the staff. That staff is awesome. Like, I've been around some of those guys like Rip Shear or Gus Bradley. Obviously, their head coach, Coach Lynn, is really well-respected. It's a healthy locker room. And I don't think he's going to be asked to take over day one, kind of like Jared. You know, they have Tyrod Taylor. They've got a capable winner in the NFL. Maybe not a pro bowler, but I don't think he's going to be thrown to the wolves faster than necessary. So I think that's great, and very rarely do we see that in the NFL. And look what it did to Jarrett, right? He didn't lose confidence his rookie year as much as, you know, he probably, you know, could have if we started day one. He got to acclimatize, get frustrated he wasn't playing, and then play and struggle and then take that lesson and then in the playoffs, the Super Bowl, and, you know, he's one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. And I think Justin will be able to follow a similar trajectory. USC had only two guys drafted. Is that a big deal? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, you look at the, you know, around the country and Ohio State, both low guys drafted. Alabama, obviously headliners. Like, usually that's what comes out of this conference is USC, historically. But that history hasn't really, you know, you look at the last couple of years and it's not like they've been sending 10 guys to the league every year. Like, I remember back in the day when I was there, every starter was either drafted or an undrafted free agent. You know, most of them got drafted. So I just think it's a reality of where that program is right now, you know, last year. You know, I, I think, and I've heard it for years, I've been saying it for years, coaches all across the country are always like, give me USC's talent and I'll win. And I look at it and I say, well, last year, did they have the best offensive line? No, but they had the best, one of the best tackles. He got drafted. They have the best defensive line? No, nobody got drafted. They have the best secondary, no, because they're all really young. They have the best receiving core, yeah, they did, and their top guy got picked. You know, so I think if you just look at the position groups for who they are and where they're senior laden, you know, that's just a reality for who they are right now. If guys weren't kicked off to the league over the last couple of years, next year, the year after that, look out. Like this team's loaded now. Linebacking core, I think it's the best in the conference. Secondary, you could argue, uh, at least it's in the top two or three. Defensive line, I'd argue coming back, 
It's probably the best defensive line in the Pac-12. Offensive front, it's good enough in the air raid. Running backs, they've got depth. It's not elite, but it's, you know, it's kind of TBD. Wideouts, yes, it's the best group. And quarterback, you know, I think it's a three-man race to make that discussion, but Keaton Slopes is, is a headliner. So I think that what SC has done the last couple of years in recruiting is going to allow them to get back to it in the next two or three years of the draft. Hmm, interesting stuff. And uh, whether it's right or wrong, let's face it, USC football is still the uh, flagship program in the Pac-12. Let's talk about a guy who did not have his name get called during the uh, NFL draft festivities. And a lot of people were rooting for him up in the Pacific Northwest. Didn't get drafted, but he gets to stay in the Pacific Northwest. Anthony Gordon, the uh, quarterback for Washington State, put up outstanding numbers in that uh, air raid system under Mike Leach. And now, as of right now, he is a Seattle Seahawk. In, in your mind, what are some things that could possibly be in the future for Gordon? I'm really excited about Anthony Gordon. Uh, to me, his ability to get the ball out, I, I call it LTA, load to arrival, in terms of you load your back foot and then when the ball arrives on the front shoulder of, a, of an eligible receiver. It's as good as there is in the country. And then you add in the way that he throws, it's kind of like a shortstop, always turning two, arm angles, getting creative. I really like him. And, and what sold me even more is when I talked to David Shaw about him, you know, on our Pac-12 podcast, the, you know, the Monday of draft week, and he raved about Anthony Gordon. He did the same thing in the season. I called the Wazoo Stanford game last year, really the last two years. and. When Coach Shaw talks about a quarterback with reverence, like your ears perk up, and mine clearly did. And, and when you look at the productivity, it's really impressive. And I, I like that he went there because, again, I think of Pete and Seattle. And a lot of times when you've got a stud quarterback getting paid so much, it's hard to get capable backups. It's hard to develop them because there's no money to do it, right? Like, you know, Blake Bortles went to the Rams for a one-year deal. I look at Anthony Gordon, and he's going to get the – obviously minimum of a contract or whatever he ends up signing for, he's going to have a chance to make that squad and make that roster as a backup quarterback because he does move around. He, his arm isn't going to wow you. Physically, his stature isn't as impressive as some other guys, but he can play and he can deal. And if you can, then, if you can handle the learning part of it, which will be a challenge. And Jared Goff said the same thing when he came out of the bear raid offense or the air raid. Everybody says it when they come out of the system. If he can handle that and not be overwhelmed, he'll be all right. The challenge for him will be there's no rookie minicamp. Like, there's no spoon feeding. Like, when you get the first few practices to learn about it, like, there's no OTA. So he's going to have to really hunker down and learn and be able to process. And if he can do that, then he'll have an opportunity to make that team. Yeah, a lot of guys are going to have to hit the ground running. Uh, some people have already hit the ground running with 2021 NFL draft analysis. I mean, I'm, I'm shocked. I shouldn't be, but 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 I am. And Walker Little, the Stanford uh, left tackle, projected already as a top ten pick. What's what's your initial reaction to that? Agree. I mean, Walker Little was probably projected top ten two years ago when he was draft eligible. You know, if he was healthy. You know, he's. I remember meeting him for the first time without pads on. At the opening last year, he was kind of a camp counselor. The opening's a high school, you know, kind of all-star camp combine. And I was like, wow, you are massive. <laughs> you know, I mean, just a different type of big. And then you watch mm -hmm. him on tape and you marry the athleticism. And then you hear what his coaches say about him. And I go back to my notes from his freshman year. And Coach Shaw and Mike Bloomgren talking about how you know, nothing was that difficult for him. 
You know, he didn't make the same mistake twice. I believe it. You know, I look at him, I look at Panay Sewell, and then you can even look at Davis Mills, right? Like, this draft's going to, you know, got a chance to be heavy Pac-12 if guys do what we would expect them to do this upcoming season. No doubt, and, and, and heavy in key positions as well. Not just quarterback, that's always nice, but uh, perhaps a bit more important is uh, seeing how the Pac-12 performs in the trenches and uh, having a couple of marquee guys at least shaping up for the 2021 NFL draft be offensive linemen. I think that bodes uh, quite well for how things could shake out talent-wise in the Pac-12. Um, let's switch gears uh, from the NFL draft and uh, go to a Pac-12 football specifically as as this, this past weekend was supposed to be the final weekend of, of spring games, spring football games that were supposed to, uh, the bulk of them were supposed to happen uh, throughout the course of April, obviously and clearly, that did not happen. What were some of the things that you were looking forward to most during this spring that you just didn't get a chance to see? Yeah, there's so much. I mean, there's a laundry list of every team. You know, schematically, like, I, I was so excited to see Arizona on defense. You know, and I was going to go to – I was going to do all 12 games. I was going to do a bunch of them. And uh, I, I, I would have been there. They were, their game was one of the early ones. You know, ASU, who are they on offense and where are they going to be? You know, with Jaden Daniels, new offensive coordinator. This defense should be lights out next year. I mean, they're Pac-12 South championship caliber team next year. How are they handling that in terms of being the relative sexy pick? Next year, you know, they're going to be like next year is Utah. You know, teams are going to be, people are going to be picking them to win it. Oregon, Tyler Shuck, I've loved. Like, I'm, I'm, my, I'm really surprised that they took a transfer quarterback. I wish I got to go there and see him practice because they saw something in six practices that said, yeah, let's bring in Anthony Brown from Boston College. What does that mean? More competitive depth? Does that mean they don't believe in Tyler? Like, I'd love to have sit down with Joe Moorhead. Uh, Stanford, the edge that that team – I'm sure has developed after not going to a bowl game last year. Chase Garbers now in a pro system with a fullback at cap. I mean, are you kidding me? I want to see that quarterback at Oregon state, Tristan Jebbia. Like, who are you? I called him the civil war last year. He survived, played well, but who is that guy for real? Like I wanted to go see that. And I, I could pretty much go up and down UW. Who's going to be the quarterback. You know, they've been in the market, obviously, for KJ Costello. Uh, you know, you could say some other guys in the portal. But what are they going to do? They're so young. And Jimmy Lake's for a shot at it. And there's, there's so many storylines. So um, probably most excited for, for, a, for a lot of things, as you know me, man, in terms of kind of nerding out on this stuff. But <laughs> overall um, – yeah, there's, there's so much newness that that probably excited me the most. No, nah, man, nerd out, nerd out. You know, that's, that, that's, why, uh, that's why we got you on the show. We're glad to have you uh, here with us. You know, you mentioned Washington. Uh, they have a new head coach in Jimmy Lake, uh, Washington State, with Nick Rolovich now uh, in charge there, and Carl Doral, a new head coach at Colorado. Um, interestingly enough, neither of those three teams – even got a chance to take the field. They didn't even get a spring practice in. Stanford obviously got uh, got half of a, half of their uh, spring session in uh, before the shutdown happened. Other teams were able, were able to take the field, uh, but those three teams with new head coaches did not. Uh, what do those three programs in particular miss without having spring ball at all, especially at these uh, critical junctures of those respective programs? Well, I think Colorado is going to be the hardest hit uh, among those three just because – Back-to-back -back years, a new head coach, new philosophy, new schemes, new comfort level, new first impressions. You know, 
new type of camaraderie, new philosophy. It's just going to be hard, I think, for them. Um, you know, there's some holdover on the staff, which I think will be really beneficial. And Carl Durrell, clearly a veteran in the coaching world. So I don't think he's going to overwhelm them by any stretch of the imagination. But I do think they've got the hardest. Uh, next, I would say Washington State, and it's close because their system, and I ran that system in college. It's my favorite system in the run and shoot. And your quarterbacks and receivers have to be truly on the same page. And Coach Rolovich knows that. So it's not like I, I can't imagine them throwing the entire playbook at these guys, you know, at whatever we get in training camp, if it's in a bridge version or whatever it ends up becoming. That's going to be a challenge, though. You know, I mean, basically receivers reading every route and just finding a win. So if the DBs, you know, on top of him, they could sit it down. If he's inside, they could break it out. If he's outside, they could break it in. If he's sitting deep, you could hook it up. Well, got to be on the same page with the quarterback, right? And with a young quarterback who's never played before, ever, right? That's basically the reality of them right there. I think that's, that's going to be a challenge. Uh, and then I look at UW, you know, you look at new coordinators, you know, on, on the offensive side and then a new head coach. But the culture is so strong there. Like, I, I don't think they're going to miss much of a beat. Like, to me, it's a lot of times, like, in uh, – remember Miami, Larry Coker, when he kind of took over for Butch Davis, you know, back in the day. Like, I think they'll be just fine. And Jimmy's got his own way, and it's aggressive. So, I think kids will lean into that as well. So, I'm not that worried about them. Um, offensively, they still got issues just in terms of who's going to be the quarterback. You know, they want to have a fullback. There's a lot of those things that I think you need reps at, like – deep play action passing. And, and that's why I think the teams that um, can run the football early in the year are going to probably have the most success. Just going to, it's going to be who can play mistake free football or as Ted Robinson would, you know, I'd steal his tennis analogy, mm -hmm. right. Who has the least amount of unforced errors. I think will, you know, win in the first month of whenever the season is. Yeah. By, by the way, not for nothing. And I know you've had a chance to spend some time with him up in Pullman, but I, I really honestly don't know how a new head coach can hit more of the right notes, if not all of the right notes that uh, Nick Rolovich has been able to do as far as rolling out a new head coach, bringing him into the community, and uh, the coach doing the same, ingraining himself uh, into his and uh, embracing his new community. They've done fantastic things, I think, in that respect, and looking forward to seeing what the Cougs can do on the field. What's your initial read on Stanford? Trying to bounce back from 4-8. and eight. You mentioned the edge of the Cardinal. Uh, will likely try to approach the season with. What, what's, your, what's your initial read on, on Stanford and what sort of things they face in the upcoming season? I'm excited about them. You know, you, you know, people forget about the injuries over the last two years and forget that they played, you know, what was it, five true freshman offensive linemen. Like, they played the entire recruiting class. That's going to bode well for this team. And Davis Mills... I mean, I'm a Jaden Daniels fan. I'm a Keaton Slovis fan. I think it's okay to have a lot of talented quarterbacks. We always try to rank them um, all over the world. But Davis Mills is gifted. I mean, he might be the, the best. I think right now he's probably the best passer out of all three of them, you know, in terms of just what we've seen. Now, the other two have their own unique traits, and Slovis is close. But I still don't think he's played enough. And not like Davis has played a ton either. But in what I've seen, I just think he's, he's elite there. So I'm excited. I'm excited for this receiving core to take another step. And defensively, right, they're, they're going to bring back, you know, some guys that were injured, you know, in the, in the heart of that defense, linebacker position. Obviously, Paulson Adiba coming back will help. Um, you know, I don't think they're, you know, at the level they were years ago, you know, and they just, you know, kicking guys out to the NFL off that defense, just, you know, some freaks on the edge. But I, I think they're getting there. 
You know, like Thomas Brooker's a star, you know, in the, in the middle. They've got some linebacker depth that's really impressive. I mean, they played some young guys again. So I'm, I'm not really worried about them. I think they're going to be a, a big sleeper in this conference this year. You know, I think they get back to eight-plus wins, possibly ten-plus wins. Uh, I just believe in it, you know, I, and I just think that, you know, what David Shaw has been able to do there in terms of bounce-back years hasn't had the opportunity to have a lot, which is a good thing. But when they have, they, they have bounced back with a vengeance. And you look at how they recruited, you know, they're bringing in one of the most gifted playmakers in the country in, in Emmett Smith's son, who, you know, I just love watching him on tape. I saw him at the opening. I think they're going to be able to really put themselves in advantageous situations this year uh, once they get rolling. I will apologize in advance to uh, some of our listeners for even broaching this very, this very, uh, uh, this very concept. But uh, in some circles, the California Golden Bears are a sexy pick to win the Pac-12 North. And I'm just imagining what, what that could possibly look like. How likely do you think that outcome could possibly be? Well, they got a chance, you know. I mean, again, you know, I wish I got to see what they were going to be on offense. I know they're excited for it, but defensively, Coin Dang, he's got a chance to be the defensive player of the year in this conference. Period. End of story. You know, they lose some guys in the secondary, but also return some, right? Think of Elijah Hicks coming back. They bring back, um, you know, their other corner, Cam Bynum. Uh, they'll move him around a little bit, obviously, as well. You know, they kind of came out when the spring started. So I, I, they kind of remind me of Utah, you know, to a certain degree. They're going to be a real physical team. We know that already defensively. And they're going to pound the ball. I think Christopher Brown, if you were like, pick a running back, I might pick him with my first pick, you know, at everybody returning in the Pac-12, which that's definitely not sexy. But when I break him down on tape, I, when he was healthy, when he's going, dude's a load. So I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm a believer in Justin Wilcox. They, they just have to continue to find ways to create explosive plays. Like, there's just certain realities in the Pac-12. And I think it was last year. I think the winning team in conference play averaged 34, 35 points a game. So you got to score. You know, their defense isn't that elite to, to be able to win, you know, by holding teams to less than 20 points a game or less than 24 points a game. I just think it's hard to do all year long going for a title run. Are they an eight-win team? Totally. Could they be a 10-plus win team? Of course. But explosive plays are going to be an area where they just need to become efficient and, and create those. So is that Nico Remigio? Is that some of the other players they're returning at wideout? They've recruited well there. So I'm, I'm excited. You know, like I couldn't wait to go up there and, and watch them. I had my schedule all set up right, right as the pandemic hit and travel plans got halted. But I, I was looking forward to seeing see them and then see Stanford in back-to-back -back days. Hey, look, my feelings on this haven't changed at all. If Cal goes 11-1 and one during the regular season, but that one loss is to Stanford – I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that overall. Uh, as we wrap this up, um, I've just got the one overall, overarching, all-engrossing, all-encompassing question for you. How great is ball? <laughs> it's so great, man. I mean, I think even now, you think about, you know, we're in a, an awkward time, obviously, in the world, and your heart breaks for everybody dealing with it, like, on a real personal level. You know, I think we've all probably known someone or close to someone who's had to deal with this. It's real, you know. And I remember talking to Ted Robinson, my partner, the other day of like, man, I can't wait until we get a game. I'm not one of those that's going to rush it back or, 
you know, I, I think we've got too many smart people in the world that are medical professionals that can offer up way better in, insights than broadcasters. You know, we don't know anything in terms of that. Uh, we just know what we read and what we hear. But my point is that when we do get to do our craft again, I get the chills just thinking about standing at the 50 and listening to the anthem, standing at the 50 and listening to Ted call a touchdown and then me do the replay, like standing at the 50 and hearing Michael Molinari, our producer in my ear, like, like I can get choked up just thinking about that. And, and I know fans want that too. So when it comes back, when it's right, it's going to be even greater than, than it is already. And it's, it's such a passion and love for all of us that, uh, you know, that's the power of sports. It speaks to us in a different way. And I think when we come out of this, because I, I played in a game after 9-11. I remember that very, very vividly. It was against the University of Miami. It was a Thursday night. We had 100, uh, 120 by 53 and a third yard flag. And everybody on both teams held it, right? This won't be like that because it's obviously different. But there'll be something that we'll never forget the next time we get to lace them up or put a headset on. So, yeah, ball, it's, it's still pretty great in my eyes, bro. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, well said on that, uh, my man. Ball truly is great. Hey, look, uh, my bad for, for taking too long to set this up, but uh, finally glad that we got a chance uh, to do so, especially this week with the draft happening last week. Uh, you also had to move, just completed the move this week. Those are always fun. Got married recently, all sorts of things uh, going on in your life, and uh, glad that you could uh, spend a few moments of it um, here with us. And uh, I can't wait. Can't wait until the next time we cross paths. Yogi, thanks as always. We'll talk again soon. I got you, brother. Thank you. Really like catching up with Yogi Roth. Always a pleasure to uh, hang out with him and and, and get his thoughts. Um, he, I, I, I'm right there with him. I think there's a lot to like um, with Stanford as well uh, coming into the year. I certainly think that there are their question marks, uh, specifically at the linebacker spot. But, man, Stanford's secondary, I can't wait to watch them work with Adebo and Kyrie Blue Kelly, Jonathan McGill. I thought really had some major flashes uh, from from his spot in the secondary uh, last year as well. Thomas Booker, uh, yeah, he's going to be a star. <laughs> he's going to be a star, and he's also going to be a great citizen um, while and after his football career um, is done. And obviously the offense. I think there's a lot to like as well. I was kind of surprised that 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 Yogi kind of threw Davis Mills potentially in the 2021 draft mix. I hadn't really started thinking about it in those terms and and about how he thought that Mills is the best passer among the top tier, you would think, uh, of incoming quarterbacks uh, in the Pac-12 uh, for, for the upcoming season. So a lot to like about Stanford, but a lot of question marks too. And, of course, the big question mark, once again, is whether they can stay, uh, avoid the injuries and, and stay healthy because that was certainly the main contributing factor to what we saw from the Cardinal in the 2019 season in which Stanford did not go to a bowl. But with what's there, with the experience that a lot of the young guys gained in, in the last season, I, I think Stanford's at a pretty good starting point to get back on track um, to where they were just a couple years ago, very much in the mix in the Pac-12 North, especially in, in, a, in a division that kind of, look, I mean, everything's in flux right now, right? I mean, let's just, let's just start there. But Pac-12 North, no real givens, I don't think, in the division right now. 
Questions at Washington, Yogi went through those extremely well. Questions at Oregon, at the quarterback position in particular, Yogi touched on that uh, very well. Who knows what Washington State's going to do? I really love what, what Nick Rolovich has done to this point. That's all off the field stuff. At some point, he's got to also hit all the right notes on the field too. We don't know what it's going to look like there. Cal? Yeah, I could certainly see a lot of them, a lot of people picking them uh, to win the uh, to to win the Pac-12 North, uh, but they've still got to prove it too. Oregon State could they potentially break out? Who knows? So as of right now, as we speak in late April, and not knowing when the season's going to kick off for real, Pac-12 North appears to be up for grabs. So Stanford maybe is in a bit of a better position to to not just get in a good position, but to do truly big things, maybe they're in a better position than we might initially think. Who knows? Who knows? This, this is just me just, just speaking out loud. But no shortage of reasons to look forward to the season ahead for Stanford and Pac-12 football, no matter when it kicks off. I always welcome your feedback and your thoughts. Best way to do that is on Twitter. First, the follow, at Troy Clarity. And you've also got thoughts on where Stanford potentially stacks up the Pac-12 North. You've got Stanford or Pac-12 draft reaction. I certainly welcome that as well. Hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast. Hey, by the way, uh, when you subscribe and download to these shows, hey, I always appreciate the rate and the review as well. Uh, certainly uh, really love, uh, appreciative of the, of the fantastic reviews uh, that the show has received so far. If you love the show, tell someone else. If you don't like the show, tell me. Let me know what I can do to make it better. Because, quite honestly, <laughs> I got the time to improve the product. <laughs> Trust me on that. But uh, hit me up on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. Share your thoughts. Hashtag TreeCast. And we will see you next week on another edition of the show. Big time major thanks once again to Yogi Roth of the Pac-12 Network for breaking it down as only he can. I can't wait until our next chance uh, to catch up and cross paths. He's a fan of the show, by the way, and uh, the feeling, believe me, is mutual. Biggest thanks, of course, most of all, goes out to you for being a part of the show. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay home. And if you don't have to stay home, just 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 be smart. Be smart. Be smart. Let's do all the things we need to do to make sure that things get back on track when they're supposed to get track for the fall. Talk to you next time. Thanks for checking us out on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, presented by the Believe Podcast Network.